right, about that time, Chris Brooks here, joined by David Johnson, 247 Sports, inside the Rebels. Hope everybody's doing well. David, how's your morning going, man? How you doing? Everything's going great. Uh, we've got spring football going on, and uh, man, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, well, we have spring football that started this week, and, and then, of course, Pro Day happened, uh, God, what was that, a couple of days ago now. Pro Day on Wednesday, yes. Pro Day on Wednesday. Uh, what's that like? Let, let, let me start there, David. What's that like for somebody that's that's never going to actually be in attendance that only gets the TV view? What What's that like attending a Pro Day? Yeah, I think this was my uh, 12th Pro Day in a row, and um they're pretty much all the same, you know, really and truly. Um, you know, there are some exciting moments. I mean, obviously, you can't wait to see Matt Corral unleash a football on Wednesday. Uh, that was fun. Um, but other than that, though, it's bag drills. It's 40 times. It's uh, cone drills, things like that. And, uh, you know, you leave the field with a pretty good perception about how everyone did. Uh then we go into the media room and you wait to see who's going to come talk to you. And um, this year it was Jerry Ely, Snoop Connor, and Sam Williams. Uh, no Matt Corral. Um, we waited for a couple of hours and uh, Matt uh, never made his way down to the media room. So no first person accounts of how Corral thought he did. NFL scouts, though, uh, and uh, talking heads around the country seem to think he did pretty darn good. Uh, everything I'm reading, everything I'm reading indicates the same. But you know, the the draft is such a weird deal. I swear, I don't. Every year, I just I don't. It 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 comes across like this to me. It's almost like the season that just happened. You know, the numbers, the touchdowns, the picks, whatever that is. Yeah. That stuff takes a backseat for just. <laughs> How athletic somebody is all of a sudden, and, yeah. and I don't, I just, I don't understand that aspect of it. Well, you know, it, it is a meat market. There, there's, you know, no doubt about it, and uh, you know, that's the nature of 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 the NFL playing in the NFL. And um, you know, there were 18 Ole Miss Rebels, 19 if you count Josiah Coatney who showed up, yeah, and went through uh, pro day. Um, most of them will not get drafted. That's just, uh, you know, it's just simply the way it is. Uh, you know, just talking to some folks in the media room and everything, I think there are three Rebels that are definitely going to get drafted. Uh, Matt Corral is getting drafted. Sam Williams is getting drafted. I think Jerrion Ely is probably the other guy that some NFL team is not going to be able to pass up just because of his speed and shiftiness. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, past that, you may see a lot of priority free agent signings out of this Ole Miss class. Uh, you know, there are some guys that, that have shots of getting drafted. I think Snoop Connor has a shot. You know, I think Ontario Drummond has a shot. Ben Brown has a shot. Yeah. But will they squeeze themselves into those first seven rounds? You know, that's the question. And really, no one has a good answer for that right now. What about? I did think Ely helped himself with the forty. Um, what he what was that four four three? I think yeah, he burned it up out there. Um, <clears throat> may have dropped a pass or two that he wasn't very happy with, but um, you know I, I think Ely Ely had a good day. I, I really do. I think he's helped himself. I really think uh, you know based off everything I've read and watched, 
Matt Corral may have ascended to being the number one quarterback off the board. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how that all plays out. And, and you know, Matt Matt is really an interesting case. Is he the number one quarterback off the board? Or does he potentially slip into that second round? And yeah. that's the drama of watching the NFL draft. We really just don't know. I was I was asked, and this is way this not way off topic, but this is a different way of looking at it. What did you think of the the t-shirt in the tucked into the shorts look? Is that the is that the routine combine or or pro day look? Man, who knows? Who knows? It's not routine, but uh, you know, bad this year. I always wonder if things like that, you wonder what people are paying attention to. And obviously I'm kind of making light of that a little bit, but just a handshake with somebody or, Hey, I need to see this guy face to face, look him in the eyes. What kind of person is he? You just wonder what kind of things that the GMs coaches are going to pick up on little things like that, that they like or don't like. Yeah. I mean, the draft has as many perspectives to it as human life, right? I mean, you know, you're sitting there and your organization is about to pay a kid, you know, a couple of million bucks to play football. You want to make sure you're making the right investment. And, uh, you know, that's why they take the Wonderlic test, right? Yeah. Um, You know, to to get an an acumen on someone's mental capacity. Um, You know, that's, uh, again, it goes back to what I just said. It's a meat market. It is a total meat market. And these teams, 31 of the 32 that were there on Wednesday – they're looking at all kind of things. They're looking even when you don't think they're looking. Did you see the post on the board uh, referencing Matt Corral? And if he didn't go out to dinner with Mike Tomlin intentionally, somehow they end up at the same restaurant. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you What do you make of that? Do you think, uh, what do you make of things like that? Well, you know, again, you know, Tomlin's got to go back to the Steelers and 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 tell them what he thinks of Matt Corral. But uh, yeah, you know, I noticed them chatting it up quite often on Wednesday. Um, there's definitely an interest. Mike Tomlin, uh, he, he knows who Matt Corral is, right? So you would think, yeah, and uh, probably needs a quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. Somebody just left there. They're probably looking. No doubt about it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the Steelers have no uh, no, no magical path to getting Corral. He could go before they pick. You just, you just don't know. See, that's the thing with this that you don't know. We do pay so much attention to all these mock drafts. And when somebody puts one out, you know, we throw up a story to say, hey, so-and-so says he's going here or going here. No. But you don't really – there's just – there's no way I can believe – that these teams are really telling anybody what they're thinking, no, especially no. at that position. Well, strategically, that's pretty dumb. Uh, you know, they're, they don't operate like that. And, uh, you know, they're not going to tell Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay who they're drafting. Yeah, it's just, it's just, and I, I enjoy that stuff. I do. I like reading it, but there's just no way that they really have real insight um, on that stuff. No, these are educated guesses. And, um, you know, the draft is a live, real living thing. I mean, you could be sitting in an eight hole and going, I'm getting Matt Corral, and the seven guy gets him. Yeah. What are you going to do then? You're going to your second choice. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You can do some backroom trading and some wheeling and dealing to try to increase your odds of being able to draft this guy. 
but um, you know, it, it, there's, there's a little bit of luck in all this yeah. as well. And all it takes is one team. If one team out there just they love Matt Corral, either from what he's what he did at the pro day, the combine interviews, or they love his his season, they love the tape on him. One team sitting there at whatever pick that is, one through whatever, and all it takes is one team that that wants to take him, and then all of a sudden those those mock drafts are blown up. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. They're they're all just gone. So, you know, uh, if I were going to project ahead, Matt's going in the first round. Um, I think Sam has had a good enough combine and a good enough pro day. He could have possibly worked himself into being a a late second round pick. Yeah, um, probably going to go in the third or fourth, but. Sam Williams has had a good spring. There's no doubt about it. Man, he looks good. Um, you know, from from a personal standpoint, he, he, he's projecting maturity now, which is which. You know, as we were talking about, that's something NFL clubs look at. When Sam walked in the media room Wednesday, he walked in carrying his son, and. You know, he did the press conference with his son on his shoulders, and, and the little guy he couldn't take it. He fell asleep during the press conference. <laughs> but, uh, but, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I'm pulling for all these guys, but uh, Corral, Sam Williams, those are the two I think that will really make a mark in this draft. I think Jerry Ely, probably a sixth or seventh round pick. You know, you got to realize. The running back position is no longer a premier position in NFL offenses. Um, you know, yeah, you got to have them, and yes, they play a part. But uh, several years ago, NFL teams quit put quit placing premium value on running backs. Now, Ely is prone to play in the slot in the NFL. It all, it's all about perception, how teams see you, where they think you fit. Um, but I do think Jerry Ely here's his name called probably on day three of the NFL draft. And then again, everybody else is just kind of shake it all up and see where it falls. I did. I did want to ask you about one more before we get to some, I want to talk some real spring football here and especially, you know, the quarterback position, what's going on there. But uh, I don't know if anything is going to come out of this, this one guy and, and one specific event. Tariqus Tisdale didn't have the greatest year. And uh, I'm looking now at the unofficial numbers for Pro Day. He was 6'5, 285. And his first 40, it says he ran 457. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that just in general terms, you would see 285 and the 457 number and assume that this kid's uh he's a pretty decent athlete. I, is there any chance anything happens with him? I know it didn't go great last year and maybe not drafted, but could you see him doing anything? Well, a lot of what kept Tiz off the field last season was uh off the field stuff yeah. basically. Yeah, it was well, yeah, it was him. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily his talent. It was a uh, you know, situation in the locker room so to speak. Um you know, he's always been a, a, a great athlete, a good-looking kid. I mean, I remember him coming out of high school when he originally committed to Ole Miss, and you just thought this guy was going to be a star. As a matter of fact, he played quarterback some in high school. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, nobody could tackle him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, his high school basically employed the same strategy as Lafayette High School here did when Jeremy Liggins was there. I mean, you put him in as a wildcat and, you know, 
let these uh, 140 pound corners try to try to bounce off of him. And that's what happened. So he's always been a great athlete and he does look superb right now. Absolutely incredible. You know, again, the question with Tiz is you look back at his college career and you have to measure production versus potential because really the production was not there. Yeah, it wasn't there. And, and you look at him and you go, man, but this guy could do this and he could do that. You know, Tiz could sneak into the conversation as a late, round draft pick I, I certainly believe that but again he's got to overcome hey Tisdale why weren't you on the field at Ole Miss last season yeah what yeah. happened there and he's got to be able to explain that in no uncertain terms to clubs that can can buy it get over it and move past it um uh, that that's his um his deal right there. No doubt he'll be, you know, if he's not drafted, he's going to be a priority free agent. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, um, you know, that that's kind of it in the bag right there with, with Tariqius Tisdale. He's, yeah, uh, and he can may, maybe make himself a little money if he's not drafted. Just somebody that wants to take a look at him, make sure they're the team that gets him in camp, can make himself a little money. But the, the four, five, seven just it just jumped out at me. Oh, yeah, the man can move. There's, there's no doubt about it. But uh, it's got to got to got to produce as well. Let's uh, let's switch gears here because look, this is the second favorite time of the year. We're spring football, second only to fall football. But uh, now now we have guys on the field, all these transfers that are coming in. I mean, these are really this is uncharted waters for Ole Miss. Now, some schools, uh, I think it's I'm thinking especially like in Alabama. It seems like they always bring in a lot of spring people, a lot of early enrollees, you know, all the high school kids up until now. I don't remember a year that we've brought in. Obviously, I know the transfers, but um, I can't remember ever adding anything remotely close to this in terms of talent, you know, between fall and spring. Can you? No, no. I mean, I mean, and, and this is just the new age of college football that we're living in. But, um, you know, we were sitting in the uh, media room yesterday, Thursday, and we were peppering these kids with questions about these transfers and how they're they're melting into the program, how they're being absorbed in. And, you know, the, uh, all the answers were the same. It's going great. Everybody's doing good. You know, everybody's having an easy transition. Well, of course they are. This is just college football. Every year, college football teams are bringing in 20, 25, 30 new guys yeah. into the locker room. So these guys are new guys coming into the locker room, but – you know, they just happen to be more experienced, more accomplished guys. And, uh, you know, so far, all the all the reports are that um, everybody's coming in and gelling just fine. You know, they're they're they don't haven't really been uh, any issues with that other than Ashim Young, which uh, we won't get into all that. But uh, um but in general, everything's going smooth. And and you would expect it to when you think about it, because every year, every locker room's full of new faces and new players and new competition. Yeah. And I don't really think this is very much different, Chris. No, and you know, the obvious one's gonna be the quarterback position because you know that's what we all focus on. You have uh, Jackson Dart coming in and Luke Altmyers is kind of waiting in the wings, but he knows they're going to bring somebody in. But we pay all the attention there, but it, like a uh, Kentrell Bullock. Okay, he's sitting there thinking, all right, now I finally get my shot. Yeah. And here comes Zach Evans, and not just Zach Evans, but but Ulysses um, Bentley comes in, and the same on the offensive line or linebacker, fill in the blank. Uh, I don't blame these kids – 
at first, yeah, you're going to, it's not going to look, I just went through this. I give you a, a local high school kind of view of it. Like my kid at Northwest Rankin's a big baseball school. And you kind of think you're in a certain place on the pecking order. And then all of a sudden you look and there's a couple of transfers coming in that I wasn't expecting. And now all of a sudden, Hey, I could be bumped down, not the two guy or, or three, but now I'm four or five and it's worked out great for him. But the first reaction to that stuff on, on all of these kids is going to be exactly what you think it is. You're not exactly happy about it, but then you get over that initial feeling and you realize, look, no matter where you are, Ole Miss, you go somewhere else to another school, you're going to have to compete with somebody. And uh, but I'm like you so far outside of just the normal stuff you'd expect to hear, you know, first in, the first time kids hear about something and competitive juices flowing. Other than that, everything I'm hearing is that it's it's gone about as well as you can expect here early. Yeah, I would I would think so. You know, and uh, you know, Lane thus far has been adamant about uh, mentioning Kincaid Dent in terms of this quarterback battle. I think we should throw his name out there. I should. Um, you know, just uh, because I think Lane is actually going into this spring with you know palms palms open. He's going, hey, you know, show me y'all. You know, here are three of you guys. I'm taking the best one. Show me who the best one is. Now, will we know who the best one is at the end of spring practice? I think we will. Will it be official? In other words, Lane step to the podium and go, Jackson Dart, Luke Altmyer. This guy is my starting quarterback. I don't think he's going to do that. I just don't think it's wise to. I think um, I think the wisest thing is to probably paint a picture of the quarterback being battle being too close to the side. Yeah, and uh, that it's going to have to continue itself into fall camp and maybe a game or two into the 2022 season. Um, you know, I'll never forget the time that Hugh Free stepped to the podium at the end of spring practice one year, whatever year it was, 2014, 15, and uh, told the media that he actually thought Ron Buchanan was a little bit ahead of Chad Kelly. At the I remember that. I remember and, that. Um, and, and, you know, everybody in the room was, like, looking at each other because <laughs> he, he was pretty open with his practices. We had seen them. Yeah. And we we, we kind of knew what the situation was. Yeah. Um, and I love Ron Buchanan, man. He's an awesome dude. Oh, so he is Chad Kelly, by the way. But uh, both of them, great guys. Yeah, but uh, but he wasn't quite being totally honest uh, in that assessment of his quarterback battle, and we all knew it. Yeah, but, I, uh, I forgot that happened. Yeah, it kept Ron around for the next season. <laughs> and, uh, well, look, I could tell you this too. You and I were talking about this maybe a day or two ago. Uh, <laughs> I think on some level, players they do realize this. Like when it first happens, uh, they're they they get mad, you know, or your your feelings are, are there. But then you take a step back. There's an aspect of this that even players understand. Lane Kiffin's job. We only had we had two quarterbacks coming back. They had to bring in a transfer, at least one. So you know that somebody's coming in. So his job is to recruit a new guy. At the same time, look, the world we're living in now, he's recruiting the guys that are already there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're trying to be honest with both at the same time. I mean, you know what recruiting's like. It, it's like, well, it's like if you're dating somebody before you get married, you just get started. You don't tell them everything about yourself. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to actually get the person. The, these coaches have to stay several steps. That's hard. It might happen. And case in point, 
I put the weekend visit list up yesterday. You see who's coming in this weekend for a visit. Jack yeah. Abraham. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah, you know, Jack Abraham's an Oxford kid, and he's a well-traveled Oxford kid. Went to Louisiana Tech, then to Southern Miss, and the Mississippi State. And then, lo and behold, the NCAA's granted him one more year to play. Now, Jack is very interested in walking on at Ole Miss. So if um, someone in this mesh of quarterbacks were to leave, there's your guy right yeah. there that, that could come in and you're not totally scared about, oh, my God, what if Altmaier goes down or what if Dart goes down? Hey, look, David, that's at some school this year, that's going to happen, and they're going to roll into a season with a couple of quarterbacks, and that's yep. it. Yep, no doubt about it. It happens every year. Now, knock on wood – we don't want it to happen here. Yeah. But, um, but you know, there's a, there's a fourth quarterback and an accomplished quarterback. He's thrown for over 6,000 yards yeah. at the FBS level of college football. Um, you know, coming in here that, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he's a factor if he ultimately commits to Ole Miss. We'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, but I, I find that ironic. We're talking about a quarterback battle, and here they are. They're bringing in another quarterback from the transfer portal this yeah. week. I did hear uh, – I talked to somebody yesterday with, with pretty good knowledge on this. Uh, I had heard Luke Altmaier came back better like this. And you've, if you've watched him on social media with, uh, with his quarterback coach, I think he works with David Morris, I think. And uh, he's put in time, but from – from the early returns here is that he, he came back prepared and and looks better. So I, And I fully expected that from him because that kid out of high school was talented. You have this guy coming in from California that's also just uber talented. Um, I'm curious of this now that you've been had a chance to see these kids in person. I mean, Jackson Dart a, is, a, is a big, big man, correct? He's 6'3", 210. Okay. Um, We'll get the first look of these guys on Saturday. Have you heard anything about him just in terms of throwing the football or just him inside the program yet, David? You know, we, we've had two days. We've had day yeah. one of Lane, day two with some players, and uh, no. It's to just be honest, it, you know, the things we're picking up on Jackson Dart is he's kind of a loosey-goosey kind of guy, kind of, kind of a free spirit, that kind of deal. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I'll say, you know, talking about Altmaier is almost – talking to Nick Broker yesterday, and Broker tells me that, um, you know, Altmaier's really come out of his shell. And, 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 and you know, you can kind of envision this. You, you come in as a true freshman. You're playing behind Matt freaking Corral, okay, a yeah. uh, guy that's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. And, uh, you know, you may be a little bit more reserved in your character, your actions, and, and you know, how you conduct yourself. And, uh, you know, it, it appears that Altmaier is like maybe saying, okay, this is my team, you know, yeah. and, and he's coming out of his shell a little bit, uh, being more vocal, being more of a leader in the huddle, those kind of things, which I think is a great sign. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. Luke is up against a monster here. Yeah. I mean, when you bring in Jackson Dart, and all the hoopla, the month-long recruitment uh, between Ole Miss and Oklahoma, and then USC gets back at the pitcher at the end. You know, uh, I mean, that's enough to to cower you down. But Luke Altmaier has not done that. And, uh, you know, I have no idea what his future plans are, um, you know, 
outside of winning this quarterback battle. Right. And if he doesn't, we just have to see what happens. Does Luke hang around or does he not? You know, well, that's uh, that's a question we'll be looking at depending on how the battle shapes up this spring uh, over the offseason. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. I know right now in the spring, the quarterback room is in really good hands. So we'll see how that progresses. Is there anything outside of that, though? Yeah, you know, I, I want to bring up Caden Costa real quick, the okay. uh, suspended kicker. Um, of course, uh, you know, I wrote a story Tuesday that Costa was not practicing with a football team. The reason I wrote that story was Lane Kiffin said so. He, he said he was not practicing. Uh, it was a misunderstanding uh, on, on Lane's part. And I just want to clarify this. You know, when college football teams practice, the team is generally outside on the outdoor practice field. The kickers, meanwhile, are practicing inside. Yeah. So the, the head coach can't be two places at once. Yeah, so, okay. Lane was not in the indoor center on Tuesday when the kickers were practicing. So there was the confusion on Lane's part right there. Costa can practice. He just can't play in games. And uh, Caden, uh, I talked with Caden Wednesday, ran into him out there pro day. And uh, great young man. Let me tell you, fantastic young man. And, you know, I got to tell you, I hate he's going through this because it was totally accidental. But, um, you know, he tells me that they've presented their case to the NCAA. And uh, it's all all there. They're done, and they're just waiting on a ruling. We don't know when that ruling is going to happen. Caden doesn't know when that ruling is going to happen. But, but, you know, just to emphasize my point, he is practicing every single day. Uh, just not uh, not eligible to play in games. And theoretically, the Grove Bowl is considered a practice. Okay, that's how the NCAA looks at it. Okay, so he can participate. So he could participate in the Grove Bowl if Lane chooses to trot him out there. And uh, other than that, you know, we've got until now, until September the 3rd, when the Rebels open up against Troy to get that Joker eligible. And uh, – you know, that begs the question, okay, what does Ole Miss do? Are we going to go with Kell Nation if Caden Costa is not ready to go? Yeah, I, I'm hearing that uh, likely what will happen if Costa is deemed ineligible for most of the 2022 season, and we don't know that's going to happen. But if it does, Ole Miss is probably going to bring in a transfer kicker. Is is that's that's some of what I'm hearing out there. So don't be surprised. May, June, maybe even April, um, if the Rebels don't go bring in a, a transfer kicker with a year to go. Well, I know I'm looking forward to some spring football, to hearing the stories and the storylines that come out of it. I, I guess for me, it's just it's about all these transfers that are coming in, how they mesh with everybody else, and then what it looks like coming out of it. Um, look, we've focused everything on the offensive side. Ashim is obviously not going to go through spring practice, you know, with, with his situation. Yeah. Uh, I saw the the combine performance from Chance Campbell. Obviously, looking back now, he was undervalued in just in terms of how good he really was and mm-hmm. the difference that he made on that defense last year. And then Mark Robinson, of course, leaving and a few others. Could that defense, David, just from what they've brought in and what's returning, could you see them being similar to what they were last year? You know, or better. I just don't know yet. I haven't yeah. looked 
eyes on these on these new faces on the field. There's a lot of them. Yeah, you know, I, I want to see JJ Peggy's at defensive tackle. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, there, there's a lot I want to see. I want to see Troy Brown at linebacker. Um, you know, and until until I get a couple, two or three viewings of these guys, I'm probably not going to have a, a really good grasp on it. But on paper, I, I think they could be better. I mean, I mean, you know, Cedric Johnson. Um, you know, he's the guy that's got Sam Williams this year, you know, and, and I think he can be. He's a very confident young man. I'll tell you that much. He flat out said on Thursday uh, after practice that, you know, he had goals this year. One was to be better than Sam and to beat his record. That's what he said. I mean, so you kind of like that kind of uh, gravitas so to speak. Um, you know, but but I, I just got to see it. And Chris Partridge is, is calling the shots this year. Got to see that too. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a lot different. The guys say it's not going to be a lot different. Maybe a few tweaks and turns and things like that than what DJ Durkin did with his uh, 3-2-6 defense. But, uh, you know, it, it's just fascinating this spring. All the new parts and all the new faces and all the new stories that are bound to develop. Uh, I mean, it's an exciting time. Well, and you mentioned defensive end in particular. I mean, you, you look and, and you have to see these guys in person. What's Jared Ivey look like out there? What does uh, the TCU transfer, the edge rusher, Coleman, what's he look like? You know, can, yeah. How much do they add just right out of the gate? Uh, yeah, and we've never talked to any of these kids before. So, yeah. you know, that's the other thing that, you know, we're going to start getting these kids in the post-practice uh, media ops and everything, um, you know, and at least that's what we've been told. We will speak to most of them this spring. And, uh, man, I cannot wait for that. I can't wait for the day that they bring Jackson Dart and Luke Altmyer into the media room back-to-back. And I hear that's coming very soon, so I'll keep my fingers crossed on that. But um, right. you know, it's uh, it's spring football time, man, and uh, you know it's time where you start ironing out all the wrinkles to uh, to the game plan, to the season plan for this coming year. And well, new uh, coaches, uh, so much change there. There you go. There's a whole other storyline. I mean, you know, coaching staffs have to gel together. Just like anybody else. And, uh, you know, case in point, I'll tell you this. You go back a few years ago, 2019 season, Ole Miss opens at Memphis. They've got new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Rich Rodriguez on offense, Mike McIntyre on defense, a couple of new assistants dotted all over the place. That staff called a terrible game that day. Yeah, a right. terrible game. Unfortunately, I do remember that day. And I'm not going to hang that on McIntyre. Really, it's on Rich Rod. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because offensively, the Rebels were out of sync all day long. You know, the safety that kind of ended that game, you know, there was a a, a blitz coming uh, at Matt Corral's blind side uh, yeah. off the left side of the line. And you have put Michael Howard, a former H-back tight end at left tackle, and in a one-on-one situation with, with really one of the best pass rushers in their conference that year. And what happens? He hits Corral on the blind side, and uh, that's the ball game. And yeah, I tried to forget that day, but yeah, that brings back some memories. Yeah, well, that was just an example of a a new staff having a terrible day. Yeah, it was so bad. bad. Terrible day. And I I know this from the inside because obviously, you know, my son was a center on that team and, 
and then their blocking schemes in the first half were atrocious, yeah. atrocious, and nothing was changed until halftime. Well, so, look, we won't be short, like you said, on storylines for the spring. I'm looking forward to it. Is is there anything else right now, or you or you feel like we're pretty good, and then we can um. We'll go through the weekend. Saturday's open, and then we can we can knock this stuff out again early. Yeah, next yeah. Just remind everybody: noon Saturday, open practice. Uh, costs nothing to get in. Set in the stands. Watch your team practice. Not, this is not a scrimmage. It's practice number three. So, uh, you know, whatever your expectations are, uh, you know, you're not going to see Jackson Dart or Luke Altmaier throw for 300 yards on Saturday. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot of bad drills. You're going to see a lot of uh, practice looking things yeah. but practice is open uh the vault is uh kind of a mess right now um you know so so be careful in terms of what gate you're going through i'll put that information up on the message board at some point i had it up earlier this week i'll put it back up again today for anybody planning on going out there uh but uh, you know just remember it's it, this is a, a team that really doesn't know one another. So these guys are going to have to jail. Relationships are going to have to form. But uh, those things will happen. Rest assured, they will happen. I think this is going to be a very good football team, Chris. That uh, I do, too. It's going to make a lot of noise in the SEC. I'm with you. Well, David, always enjoy doing this. You enjoy the rest of your day, and, and we'll do this again soon. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Holly Toddy. Yep. For David Johnson, Chris Brooks here. Thank you, guys. And we will talk to you later.